The difference between a messy and a beautiful garden is maintenance. What makes the difference between a smooth and a bumpy road is maintenance. Maintenance affects quality and longevity. Maintenance. Everything you have, everything you have requires maintenance. Everything. Your house needs maintenance. Your backyard requires maintenance. Your relationships demand maintenance. They don't just need it. They demand it. But more importantly, you need maintenance. You as a person. I need maintenance. You need maintenance. Among all the gifts God gave you, the most critical asset he expects you to maintain is you. Among all the things that God has given to you, the one thing that he expects you to maintain every hour, every day, every minute, every second is yourself. Maintain you. So today we are starting a message series titled, You Need Maintenance. Among all the plans you have, your top priority should be to maintain you because you would not be able to achieve any plans without a healthy you. Among all the things you want to do this year, among all the things you want to achieve this year, the most important thing you need to do is to maintain you because you will not do anything unless you is healthy. So the first message in the series is about maintaining your mind. So we're going to talk about maintaining certain aspects of our lives. We're going to talk about maintaining our bodies, maintaining our hearts, but today we're going to start by maintaining our mind. Why the mind? Because I believe right living is the result of right thinking. If you think right, you live right. If you think right, you will live right. And that's why the first thing that the enemy attacks in your life is your mind. Because he knows once your mind is messed up, your life is messed up. Because thoughts become behavior, and behavior shapes your future. I'm not sure if everyone is like me, but I, I struggled with internal dialogue. I would wake up in the morning with thoughts in my mind telling me how I could not do this or that. How I was not good enough. I didn't have enough money for whatever I dreamt of doing. Or I didn't have enough knowledge or experience. Or I just don't have enough skills. Or I don't have enough support. Or Do you know that, that the topic that goes in your mind most often is not enough? Not enough money, not enough strength, not enough support, not enough, not enough, not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And that voice kept telling me why I'm not enough to be loved. I'm not enough to, to maintain this. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And that voice kept talking to me. So I realized that everything I have achieved in my life has been the result of making sure I take control of my mind. I have to go against everything my mind is telling me I cannot do to be able to do something. I have to take control of my mind to be able to do something, otherwise I wouldn't achieve anything in my life. I don't know if that's your case. Maybe you grew up with this mind telling you, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can. You are blessed. Me, my mind always kept telling me, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I think most of us are like that. We hear this voice, internal dialogue going on, telling us we are not enough. 
So let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about how to maintain our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in a, an unspiritual way, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Our fight, as Paul says here, remember that Paul has been beaten by people. He was persecuted. He was, he was arrested. He faced opposition. He even faced death threat. Despite all his challenges, Paul's warfare was not against people. He's not saying our, our war is against those guys who don't like us. It's not against my mother-in-law or my father-in-law. It's not against the Labour Party or the Liberal. It's not against politicians or doctors. Or our war is against arguments and every thought that rests against the knowledge of Christ. It's not against your wife or your husband. He says, instead, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Our fight is not against events or people, but against argument and high-minded things. I want you to think this, to rethink, to reprogram your mind. Know who is your enemy first. Next week, we'll talk about stronghold, how we build stronghold. If you don't understand what it means, come next week. Demolish argument and take thought captive. So today, we're going to study the second part of this scripture. And next week, we'll go back to the first part. Paul says, we demolish argument. Christians, believers, we demolish argument. Arguments are facts or reasons to support an idea. When you want to support an idea, you bring argument. You bring facts to prove that what you are saying is true. Arguments are filters. They are frames, frames or lenses the enemy uses to interpret events to us. Stay with me. Satan's arguments are factual. They are factual. They are fact in your life. They are real. They contain some truth, but they are lies. Why? Because half truth is not true. But he uses factual argument to attack our mind. It's easy to believe something that sounds factual, even though it's not true. It's a lie. For example, before I stand here to preach, I would be thinking, I'm not good enough. English is not my first language. People will not understand me. My accent is funny. Can you see some truth in that? There is some truth to that, isn't it? Yes, there is. There is. There is. There is. That's factual. But the truth is, God has called me to speak on his behalf. The spirit of God lives in me. He will speak through me and lives here will be changed through his power and not because I'm articulated. It's the truth. So I need to choose what to believe, the truth or the fact. Of course I don't know English like you do. 
But God lives in me and he will speak through me. That's the truth. I don't care what the facts are. When is the last time you thought you had enough money, enough skills, enough help, enough love, enough influence to do something? When was the last time you thought you had everything enough to do something? Oh, no one. We always believe we don't have enough. Oh, we are not enough. Oh, this situation is not enough. It's always not enough. Satan uses factual argument to take control of your mind. So there are three sources of argument that control your mind. Your life experiences is one of them. Life experiences, what you go through is real. So he picks that one and starts using it. The second one is trusted voices. The people you trust who spoke to you. And the last one is self-talk. That's dialogue going on in your mind. Yourself talking to yourself. So let's go through one of them at a time. Life experiences. If you grew up in an environment where men were abusive, you are most likely to frame all men as abusive. There is some truth to it because men in your life were abusive. But not all men are abusive. As a matter of fact, I'm not. And I'm a man. Am I abusive, babe? Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Very good. If you have been betrayed by some people you loved and trusted or someone you loved and trusted, the argument in your head is that people are not trustworthy. People, not one person or two or three, if four people have betrayed you, then the whole world, seven, eight billion are trust, not trustworthy. Because four have betrayed you. Then eight billion become victim of your life experiences. If you've been in a car accident, you may become fearful of driving or even traveling. The argument is that it may happen again. Because that one trip went wrong, then all trips must be dangerous. There is a saying in Swahili, It's translated, if a snake has bitten you, you get scared of a lizard. That is true. Why so? Because the argument in your mind is that it would happen again. And most people are living under the, not just the pressure, but the idea, what if something goes wrong? What if, what if someone is in my wardrobe or under my bed? Kids, what if someone is under your bed? Just, just in case someone is in your wardrobe. A shadow. You know, and we grow up with those ideas that someone is behind us. And you grow up with those ideas that there may be someone under your bed. We used to have those ideas when we were 10 and 7. And we grow up with that idea. In your 30s, you're still thinking someone is under your bed. And you check, and you check, and nobody's there. But you st still believe that someone is under your bed. And the enemy continually gives you argument to support your fear. Remember last time you heard the noise coming under your bed? Do you remember? The enemy keeps giving you argument that what you think is true. Remember, your best friend betrayed you. 
You are the problem. You are not likable. You are not good with relationships. You are not worthy of being in a good relationship. Look at you. Look at your behavior. Look at what you've done. God cannot forgive you. Look at what you've done. I'm not good enough. Your life experiences can be used against your own progress because the enemy uses them as argument. And the second one, trusted voices. What are the trusted voices? Your parents, your friends, or authority figures, your teachers, your celebrities you admire, the people you watch in the movie. Someone told me I look like Eddie Murphy. I don't. I'm, I'm handsome more than, than him, you know. <laughs> I beat him on that one. The celebrities that you admire can influence. They are strong voices. They are, they are trusted voices in your life. Your boss can speak in your life and break your confidence. No, those people can say things that will affect the way you see yourself or your life. For example, if your teacher called you dumb one day, and then your friend made fun of your intelligence, and then one day your mom said, look, it seems like you're not thinking well. Those three examples are enough to make you believe that you're not smart and to live the rest of your life doubting your decisions. My mom questioned my intelligence. My friend questioned my, questioned my intelligence. And my teacher questioned my intelligence. I must not be smart. And I see people saying that. I'm not smart. And I'm looking at them. But all these things you've done prove me that you are smart. But you don't believe you are. Because someone said you are not. And you, be careful with exes. Exes can break your confidence forever. I've never had one, but I've heard stories. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Excess can break you. They will tell you all this garbage to make you believe that you are the problem. They are the problem. Trusted voices. The voices you listen, you listen to shape your thought. Then your thought shape your behavior. And then your behavior shape your future. Who do you listen to? And the third one is self-talk. The problem is not to self-talk because we all self-talk. We all have this dialogue going on in our mind. The challenge is the type of dialogue we have with ourselves. Most of the time, these voices aren't truthful. We keep repeating them to ourselves. We keep repeating those voices to ourselves. I'm not safe. I'm not safe. Who told you you are not safe? You just keep repeating those things to yourself. You are not safe. You are not safe. You are not safe. And our mind keeps repeating those things to us. You know the kind of conversation, dialogue you are going, is going on in your mind. Even now as I'm talking, you, you begin to remember how you are not good enough. Self-talk frames how you perceive life. We talk to ourselves about how we don't deserve something, how bad our performance was, how everybody has got their lives under control except you. The great deception is lying to yourself. We talk ourselves into things or out of things. We just talk to ourselves. Nobody told you to live, but you just talk to yourself. No, no, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. And you leave. And they come to ask you, why did you stop serving? I, I don't think I'm good enough. We tell ourselves how only one chocolate won't make any big difference. <laughs> then we take it. We, we, take, we talk ourselves into things, you know. Every time you break a rule, you talk yourself into it. Every time you break a rule, you tell yourself, oh, it's not, it's, not, it's not a big deal, you know. It's not a big deal. You know, this, I can just do this, and you do it. Athletes know that defeat happens in the mind before it happens on the field. So argument come from these three places.
places, our experiences, trusted voices, and self-talk. Then Paul says, and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. So he's talking about argument, then he's talking about high-minded things. We are also fighting ideas that have been raised against the knowledge of God. There are two ways we can look at this. On one hand, some ideas represent a false image of God because they come to distort how we see God. God does not love you, for example. Why did he let such a thing happen to you if he loved you? You see that idea? It's factual, isn't it? Something bad happened, and then the enemy uses it to tell you God does not exist. No. If this problem exists, then God does not exist. Is that true? No, it's not true. It's not true. He say, God does not love you because this happened. No, he loves you. Not because God intended it to happen because we live in a fallen world. God does not exist. If he does, why do we have evil and suffering under his watch? God did not invent evil. But he will bring those arguments. The purpose of these ideas is to distort your image of God. So these ideas sound factual by their lies. On the other hand, some ideas are raised against the knowledge of God to distort the image of you. Because if you distort the image of your creator, you lose purpose. If you don't know God exists, then you don't have any purpose on earth. You're just a product of a random event. The Bing Bang happened and you appeared and you are going to live for some years and then you disappear. You see how purposeless that is. But if you know you have a designer who created the world, who created you, you suddenly receive this meaning and worth. So the enemy distorts the image of God to distort the image of you. That's why he distorts the image of God, the knowledge of God. He distorts your knowledge, the knowledge of yourself, by distorting the image, the knowledge of God. And finally he says... Taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Taking every thought captive to obey Christ is to align every thought in your head to Christ's thought. You begin to think as Christ thinks. Every thought should be taken captive to obey God. If you want to live the life God intended for you, learn to think as God thinks. Think like God, you live like God intended. It's simple. You need to know what God thinks and discipline your mind to think the same way. Taking your thoughts captive requires an aggressive attitude. You don't want to negotiate with your mind when it comes to taking your thoughts captive. Don't take it lightly. You need to be aggressive when you are fighting to take your mind under control. You need to fight. Don't negotiate. It requires discipline, force, and perseverance. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not think like the world thinks. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renew the way you think. Change the way you think. Think like Christ thinks. All that you think about yourself, if it's not aligned with the Bible, is irrelevant. 
All that people say, all that your teacher said, all that your parents or your ex or your husband or your wife said about you, if it's not aligned with, with what God thinks of you, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. What matters is what God thinks about you. The world uses the frame of fear, despair, shame, guilt, and the things of the like. Perspective changes everything. Perspective. I saw one day an image, a picture of someone who was standing on this side and telling the other guy, this is nine. Can you see nine on the floor? And the other guy on this side was saying, no, I can see six. You are dumb. That's why you failed in your primary school exam. And the other one is, who are you to talk to me like that? Do you know me? Do you know where I'm coming from? You're arrogant. This is nine. And this why, no, it's six. Look at you. You are so proud of yourself, full of yourself. And they started to fight. And then God appears and says, guys, that is called perspective. If it's nine to you, it's nine to you, it's six to you, that does not matter. What matters is what I, God, says about it. We have different perspectives in life. They don't matter if they are not God's perspective. The human perspective will always be limited. The only person who sees the complete picture is God. That's why we need to trust his perspective. Godly thinking does not ignore the problem. It embraces the problem with God's mindset. Why? Because God sees all perspective. He sees beyond the problem. He sees around the problem. We only see the mountain. God sees beyond the mountain. And we can be arguing and fighting about the mountain. While God is saying, no, just climb the mountain, you will see beyond the mountain. Only God sees beyond the mountain. Renewing your mind is changing your perspective to align with God's perspective. The Bible reveals God's thoughts. The Bible reveals God's perspective. So this is what I want you to remember. The first thing you need to do to maintain your mind is to reframe your experiences. Because what the enemy has done is to frame what you went through and to tell you why you went through it. Your mind frames everything you've been through and everything you'll ever go through. The mind is trying to make sense of it. So what it does is to tell you, you went through that because it was your fault. Your parents divorced because you were not good enough. It's not true. You were not there when they started, they started dating. You were, not, you were not there when they, got, they gave birth to you. If one of them is crazy, it's not your fault. But the enemy will be telling you it's your fault. That your dad doesn't like you. It's your fault that your mom left you. No, it's not your fault. Your experiences can be framed in a negative way. And the enemy will keep pushing just to show you that side of your life that is dark. That is a frame. If you move that frame and you move it, you move it, you will get to a place where you can see some sunshine on the same image. And you will see how, even though your dad was crazy, he was a smart guy, so you inherited some brain. 
Yeah, you, the reason you can solve some problem is because if a crazy guy, but smart, gave birth to you. That's why you are smart. We need to reframe, reframe our life experiences. Look at the positive side of things. This happened to you, yes. This happened to you, yes. But how do I frame it? You can choose to look at the bad side of it, the painful side of it, and look at the, oh, look at the bright side of it and reframe your experiences in the way that will glorify God because that is God's perspective. Sometimes we get focused, we get lost into the thing that went bad and we forget that there was something beautiful about it. And we need to frame, reframe our life experience. Begin to reframe your childhood, reframe your, your, your teenage, reframe your adulthood, reframe your experiences. You will see that God has been keeping you until now. If you reframe your experience, you will understand everything was not that bad at the end of the day. People are not that evil at the end of the day. There are some good people out there. All men are not bad. You can look, some of them are good. I'm among them. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? My wife and I are raising our children away from our extended families. You know, you understand. We are very far from our extended family. No uncle, no auntie, no, 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 no. No. This is my friend. That is challenging and depressing. It's hard, really. My children don't know their uncles. They can't go home to see their family. My, their grandma passed away last year. She couldn't even see them. Oh, life is really sad. That's my friend. Then God asked me just to shift the same image to take my frame into a different direction. Oh, I have the opportunity to share my life with you guys. The people who love me. I can preach the word of God and people are being transformed. And my family is, is evolving in this town. And we love each other. And we have some things to celebrate together. We meet the people we could have never met in our lives. God has connected us with people from Fiji, from Philippines, from, from Europe, from... from if that's even Tasmania <laughs> and Queensland. <laughs> you know what I've done? I just shifted the frame to see God's perspective. But I can stay in that corner. Oh, you know, life, you know, living away from home is how, away from home. So what? We have the opportunity to serve God. Can you reframe your life experiences? Can you go back and check all the things that make you cry every day, make you complain every day, and reframe them? Even the bad situation, the people in your life who really, really offended you, reframe. Reframe those experiences. You will see something good that came out of it. I'm not saying to go back to that, to that relationship. I'm not saying go back to that situation. But you can see it from a different angle. You will see it's not a six, it's a nine. It's not a six, it's a nine. Reframe your experiences. The second one, review your sources. Where do you get your information from? What type of friends do you have? What type of friend do you listen to? Who do you ask for advice? You know, whoever speaks into your life influences your thoughts, 
shapes your behavior and affects your future. Whoever you listen to, a, a TV show shapes your future. Did you know that? Okay. A newspaper can shape your future. Do you know that most of the things we are doing today are the result of what we heard on TV? The, the things we do today, the, the way we are divided and, and yell at each other and look at each other as enemies, who told you? The news. You find yourself angry with a group of people. Angry, simply because you heard it on TV that they are bad. And you're angry at them. You wake up in the morning angry. How can they do this? How can they do this? How can... What have they done? No, 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 no. How can they do this? These people are crazy. These people are, who, who told you? Uh, uh, these people, this is not acceptable. I'll go to church. I'll tell the pastor to tell them not to do this again. <laughs> who are they? You know what I'm talking about. We are living in a very divided environment. Politically speaking, like it's crazy. It's crazy. Everything has become political. Even a virus. We should just listen to what, what doctors say, what science says. Even doctors have been politicized. Okay, let me continue with the word of God. Review your sources. So parents, this is advice for you. Review the movies your children watch. Review the games they play. Review the type of friends they go with. So, you know, how often children raised in decent families compromise their values just to fit in? Very often you hear you, the school will send you a letter, your child has done this and this and this, and you question yourself, how could my child do this? No, she or he wanted to fit in. Peer pressure, and that's why he did or she did it. Why? Sources. Sources. Who do you listen to? Are you surrounded by godly advices? Children, listen to your parent. Listen to godly advices. All you know is what TikTok says. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's for another session. Okay. I know I've created some enemies. I love you, children. You are my friend. The problem is not what parents have said or not said. The problem is the sources around the kid. Church, review your source of information. Review where you get your news from. Review the movies you watch. Review. Because everything you bring in shapes your thoughts, and your thoughts shape your, thought your behavior, and your behavior shape your future. Check what you get your information from. Why do you believe what you believe? Who told you so? And the last one is revise your self-talk. It is important to invite God to take control of your dialogue. That's conversation, that dialogue going on in your mind. Invite God to be part of that. Why? Because we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Make every conversation obedient to Christ in your mind. They are not enough. I'm not enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. Those are lies from the enemy. 
If God knew you were not enough, he wouldn't created you. He created you enough. You are more than enough because Jesus in you is more than enough. He is more than enough. You think you're not enough to be a good wife. You are more than enough. You think you're not a good, uh, good enough to be a good husband or a good parent. You may be a, a single parent, a single mother struggling with your children. You think, I'm not good enough. You are more than enough. More than enough. If God thought you were not good enough, he wouldn't have given you those children. They are your children because you are good enough to raise them. It doesn't matter what they do in the future. Those are their choices. They are not your fault. It's their choices. You are good enough. Revise your self-talk. Take captive every negative thought in your mind. And that will require discipline. Find a verse that speaks to your situation and repeat it to yourself over and over. For example, if the, the enemy tells you, you are a sinner, look at what you've done, tell him, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Shut up, Satan. I'm forgiven. So is that a bad language? Okay. At least I can tell Satan to shut up. Thank you. I don't need to be polite to him. You know, Satan, it's time to, you know, just leave me alone. You know, it has been a while. No, no. Shut up. Perspective changes everything. God's perspective will change your life. God's perspective will set you free. God's perspective is the only perspective that matters. So three things not to forget this today. As we start to maintain, to do the maintenance of ourselves. Maintain your mind. Maintain your mind. Reframe your experiences. Review your sources. And revise your self-talk. 